you who are shielded by the grace of God. Turn now to the Old Testament. Our text is 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I've made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered, David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, truly a woman has been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there is no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Since the reading of our Old Testament text, turn now to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Sends the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our great God, who is sufficient to understand your holy word, But we have gathered here, O Lord, to understand. May our hearts be tuned by your spirit to understand the word of God and to live according to it. May the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, I feel like we're racing through Matthew. I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards. So I'm going to slow down and do one verse a a day. Get get used to one verse. Uh, No, this this passage is a passage that's really the first part of two. So the next passage is very similar. uh, And so there'll be some repetition. However, 
this has its own uh, importance for us to understand. And this is a section in Matthew's Gospel where we actually start the conflict between Jesus and the leaders of Israel, which results in his death. And so it's starting. Up until now, there's been some little indication of that at times, very brief. Matthew's kind of tossed out a phrase or two that makes it clear that things are not right with the Pharisees in particular that Jesus has encountered so far. And now it's just going to become more and more apparent that they will not accept him as their Lord and Messiah. And so you're now seeing that start here when they question Jesus on the Sabbath, which is interesting because he's done things to indicate who he is already, things that no mere man can do. Forgiven sins, for example. He's raised the dead. Oh, you could say, well, a, a prophet can do that. But no prophet would say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, which he had just said at the end of chapter 11, and I will give you rest. This is from his own authority, the authority of his Father, Lord of heaven and earth, and the Lord Jesus said, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. So the Lord of heaven and earth has entrusted to this one, this Son, all authority in heaven and earth, and that's where the book of Matthew ends, but now we're told a, a preview of that uh, just before this happens, and they're questioning him on whether he's breaking the Sabbath or not, which we're going to find is actually kind of amusing in a sense, uh, but we'll save that for later. Well, we've had these developing conflict, but now uh, in the next section, verse 14, if you want to glance down there, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So you can see the conflict is picking up. This is uh, really going to pick up more and more. And this is a surprise to uh, Jesus' disciples at the time. And they, they expect everybody to flock to Jesus like they have. What's, why not? I mean, this is, this is a man who is upright and kind and compassionate and powerful to save. He has words of wisdom that no one has. The wind and the waves obey him. I mean, who are we dealing with here? You, you need to come and see. But we know the end of the story. We know that this book ends with the cross, but the ending then picks up with the resurrection and the ascension of our Savior. So here we find ourselves in a grain field with the disciples. It says, at that time, Jesus did that. When it says, at that time, this is, you, this is Matthew, which he does a few places, telling you that it isn't exactly right after what happens in chapter 11. That's what he's telling you. That what happened at the end of chapter 11, there might have been some time sequence so Matthew is basically saying, generally in this general time, here's what happened. So he's not being very specific when, but you want to take this as it's just something that happened in the general time that he's been recounting already. 
and uh, Jesus and the disciples are going through a field of grain, and they pick the ears uh, and rub the ears in their hands and then eat the grain. Have you ever done that? You know, there are, there are wheat fields around here. You can, I, I, don't, I don't suggest it, okay, because, <laughs> however, in the Old Testament, here's what the, the law says, Deuteronomy 23. When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, then you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not wield a sickle in your neighbor's standing grain. Deuteronomy 23, verse 25. So the book of Deuteronomy, the, the people of Israel had permission to pluck grains of, uh, heads of grain in and rub it in their hands. They just couldn't use a sickle to cut it. Now, I, I, uh, I'm going to tell you how silly I am, but I, I, when I moved to Southern California a long time ago, um, eventually we had a, a two and a half acre property, and I had a quarter acre that I was had my eye on for a garden. Of course I did. I'm an Oregonian. I garden with what, what we do. Uh, and so this was an old uh, horse area. So the the you know, soil had been beaten to a down to where it's rock. But I, I had to burn my bonnet the first year we moved there, the first winter. So I went out there and I, you know, cleared it all out there and I dug it all up and I, I got a big bag of barley and I cast barley over the... I planted barley in this whole quarter acre. So, and then the barley grew, surprisingly. <laughs> And I went out there and I did that, okay? <laughs> and you get a lot of junk in your mouth of what you get. <laughs> I discovered it's not really very fulfilling. So these people are really hungry. That's my conclusion from my experience. You gotta be really hungry to do this. This is not something you do because you know it's like a bag of corn nuts or something. This is, this is a serious hunger issue when they do that. And which is actually why that law is there in Deuteronomy. These people are, you know, that's a serious thing to do. You, you really need help uh, to eat at that time. And you can't go down to a local store because there aren't any. So uh, Jesus is doing something perfectly uh, lawful. More importantly, he's doing it on the Sabbath. Very interesting. He's doing it on the Sabbath, which has been described as a garden of delight. You know, it's the Pharisees that make the Sabbath look bad, look like it's nothing but uh, negative, scorn, scor people scorning you if you're not doing this or that. It's a garden of delight where you rest and you enjoy a Sabbath. It's actually called a holy convocation. If you want to know what a holy convocation is, look around. Here we are. This is a holy convocation. It is consecrated by the Lord in his presence. And that's what the Sabbath was for. A time for a holy convocation of the people of God meeting with their God. And Jesus is moving to ministry in another place to help people on the Sabbath. And, you know, some people have to work on the Sabbath. Today, that's true as well as back then. 
they're, they're works of necessity. People have jobs, so they have to do on the Lord's Day. And that's, that's perfectly understood. The same thing here. Notice how Jesus points to that episode with David that we read about in 1 Samuel. That was the episode that Jesus is pointing to. And it was the bread of the presence. Let me read to you where that was set up from Leviticus. You shall take fine flour and bake 12 loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf. You shall set them in two piles, six in a pile on the table of pure gold before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense on each pile that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It's from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. It shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Now you understand that episode with David, don't you? That priest was the high priest, the descendants of Aaron, and he gave him the loaves that had been on the table of gold, which were swapped out every Sabbath. We're not told that David was there on a Sabbath day. We're just told that it was that bread, the bread of the presence. Whose bread is it to eat under the Old Testament? It's the priest. And the priest doesn't really have any other bread. So that priest with David is giving David his bread. He is, he is sharing his bread with David. And, you know, it's, it's a sacrifice for him. And it's a bread which is called a food offering to the Lord. It's holy because of that. And it's an offering to the Lord that David is eating. It belongs to the Lord and to those to whom it's been appointed. But David comes in in need, and it's given to him. And Jesus is saying that was the right thing to do. And the reason why it's the right thing to do is what he says in the next quotation. Uh, let's see. Sorry. It's for the priests. Tell you something greater than here. Verse 7. If you'd known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. From Hosea. That's the overriding principle under David's day, mercy in time of need, and what Jesus is doing. In other words, the law of God is shaped by a number of different principles he's laid down. And one thing the Lord has an overriding concern for is mercy, is compassion on those in need. And that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees. You've set up the law as some rigid boundary that if you cross it, you are condemned. And you're condemning me for doing something that was an act of mercy in time of need, like under David. 
And like the priests themselves who work on the Sabbath and they're guiltless. You know, I think about this. I, I work on the Lord's Day. Uh, it's just what you do. The elders work, the deacons do. Many of you work, do things here in our church. You're, it's work, in a sense. But it's your service, your act of service. As the priesthood of God's people, you're here serving the Lord in ways that he accepts as offerings to him. Because it's an offering to the Lord. You know, the Pharisees were known then, and it's still practiced today, for setting how many steps you can walk on a Sabbath day. They, they thought that if they refined the law down to give people particulars, then they'll be able to keep it, right? So they have, they determined how many steps you could make, you could walk uh, on, on the Sabbath. And it's called a Sabbath day's journey. <laughs> and someday, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 12. The phrase is in there. They were about a Sabbath day's journey. It's about a half a mile, a little over a half a mile. You can walk that. Then people ask them the question, these rabbis. So I can walk half a mile from my house. Does that mean my property? or the actual building. Can I start at my property line and then do a half a mile? Okay, well, you, your property line's fine. What if I have square property? Is it a circle around my house? Is that where it counts? What if my property's a rectangle? Can I start at the far boundary of my property? and? Go the half a mile from that point on? You can see how this works, right? It's like, ah. They spent a lot of time wrangling over this. Jesus cuts through that. Mercy triumphs over sacrifice. If you are sacrificing on the Lord's day to serve him, to meet with him, it's, it's, it's something where mercy triumphs over that. There are times when you may have to Engage in works of mercy on the Lord's Day. And you are not being guilty for doing that. This is, you know, this is where in the end of the day, you come to the, the Lord of grace and see what the Sabbath was really all about. Because the, the Pharisees are putting a yoke upon people's backs and not helping them to keep them. And Jesus says, you take my yoke upon you. It is light and easy because I am gentle and lowly in heart. You see, brothers and sisters, something greater than Moses was there in the presence of those Pharisees. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, says in the next passage, something, someone greater than Jonah is there and someone greater than Solomon. Now, what he says in verse 8 is the clincher to his argument, and I'm not sure it's easy to understand at first read. So let me tell you what he just tells these people in verse 8. I'll read our translation. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It's hard to bring out exactly what he's saying from that. 
And here's why. This reads actually like John 1.1, that famous passage where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then it says, and the Word was God himself. It's not translated that way, but that's the effect of it. Because the word God is put forward. God is the word. He is God himself. And so there's this identity of the word with God. Well, that's what's happening here. The word Lord is actually the first word in verse 8 in the original. Uh, Lord is the Son of Man even over the Sabbath. Except that in that construction, it's proper to render that the Lord. Not some general Lord, but the Lord. So the Son of Man is the Lord even over the Sabbath. Now you have that, that commandment four in your mind. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The Son of Man is the Lord, including the Sabbath. What does the word even mean? It means even to that extent. He's the Lord of a lot of stuff, even the Sabbath. What's the all their stuff? All things in heaven and earth, including the Sabbath. You're dealing here with Jesus, with the one who created the Sabbath because he created the world and rested on the seventh day. He is the Lord, even over the Sabbath. He defined it. He gave it to us. It's meeting with him, meeting with Jesus himself. That's the meaning of the Sabbath. And when we continue it on, we've changed the name by warrant of the New Testament to the Lord's Day. And that word Lord's Day is very interesting. If you want, you could translate that the imperial day. It's his own private day. His own special day. It's a day that belongs to him privately. It's like saying, oh, you can't take that car. That belongs to, you know, the elder. Can't take that car. You can drive all the other cars, but not that one. That's, that belongs to Jones or James. You don't, you don't want to do that. See, this is, this is the Lord's. It's his own private day. And that's, that's, that's who we're dealing with here. Jesus is the Lord even over the Sabbath. If he wants to change it to the day of his resurrection, that's what he does. And he did for our benefit so that we might meet with him. It's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's holy to him that you might meet with him and come into his presence in a holy convocation. That's, that's who we're dealing with here in the Gospel of Matthew. Everything has been entrusted to him by his Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, even the Sabbath day. Notice that what Jesus says here does not do away with the Sabbath principle. He doesn't say... Well, there is no more Sabbath. Don't worry about that anymore. I have destroyed that. I've removed that. No longer is that required. He says, no. It is part of what I've built into the creation. 
and I've given it to you, my people, for your benefit. It is a gift to you. I, I continue it, but I'm going to interpret it for you. Here's what it's about. Mercy. Compassion. Meeting with me. I am Lord over it. And I can do what I wish with that day. And I give it to you as a gift. This is, this is what we mean when we uh, call ourselves as a church. We're Sabbatarian. We believe in the Lord's Day. We believe it should be honored. We, we don't engage in ordinary work on the Lord's Day. You know, stuff that occupies us six days of the week. This is what we mean. But brothers and sisters, when you say that to people, their first thought is, well, I can't do anything. <laughs> it's like, no. It's what you can do. You can come into the presence of the Lord. You can have a day of rest. You can pray to the Lord to prosper your work so that you have a day off, so that you can take this day to devote to him. And you're dealing here with Jesus with someone who understands that. He's been out in the fields rubbing heads of grain to eat. He knows what work is. He knows your needs. And you go to him and you ask him for his help. And then you come on the Lord's Day and you worship him with gratitude. You know, in the parallel in Mark, in Mark's gospel, to the, parallel to this passage, it says, Jesus adds a word that I think is appropriate here. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It, it shows his attitude toward the Lord's day and the Sabbath. It was made for you, my people. I make this for you, that we might meet together and it would be a holy time of refreshing, uh, like eating, and a time of meeting with me to uh, worship me as well as to know my uh, blessed presence in your midst, where I will bless you. You come and I will bless you. So it's ever more important that you see when we have the Lord's Supper, the same word, that word Lord's appears twice in the New Testament. Lord's Day, Lord's Supper. It appears nowhere else that way. Lord's Day, Lord's Supper. The Imperial Day, the Imperial Supper. There it is. The Imperial Supper is given to you, his people, that on the Lord's Day, this Imperial Day, you would see that Jesus is all about giving to you giving to you that your sins might be covered by his blood and body, given to you that you might meet with him and enjoy rest with him. This is a holy, uh, a holy passage because it just gives us so much refreshment to know that Jesus has preserved this day for the use of his people and for your good, not for you to be somehow in some straitjacket. Be free in the Lord. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen. O oh Lord, our Father in heaven, this is quite a passage, as many in your scripture are. Our dear Lord here announces to the world who he is, and they are going to have to do away with him. He's a threat. No threat to us, though, O oh Lord, precious is our Savior. We thank you 
We thank you for all of your good gifts. We thank you for the delights you give us for one another and for our Holy Savior, Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.